The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is up, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to another edition of the Hidden Yardage Podcast. It is finally, once again, game week for the Dallas Cowboys. We are getting you ready for America's Game of the Week on Fox. It'll be Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field this Sunday afternoon. Dallas Cowboys at the Green Bay Packers. A big game for the Cowboys in this mid-stretch of the season, which will be defined by how they play against the NFC North. So far, they are 2-0 against their opponents from the NFC North. They had Dak Prescott back for wins against the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears. So 2-0 passing those tests as both the Lions and Bears win today. And we'll get into a little bit of that as the Cowboys are off on Sunday. So a chance for fans to maybe catch up on some teams that they haven't seen much of this year. And now the Cowboys, as mentioned, move on towards Green Bay. And even beyond that, they will then play the leaders in the NFC North, and that is none other than Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So LP Cruz is back with us, and again, is a Sunday without Cowboys football. So LP, how are we passing the time now? I guess uh, watching other teams play, you know. Uh, if you're a Cowboys fan like me, and I'm sure some of you guys are, you like to see the other teams play in the division. Uh, we had one game today, I finally caught it, but on the downside, we didn't get it to see New York play, so... Um, but happy enough to see one team in their uh, division play and lose. So it's pretty good. Yeah, scheduling-wise, as far as being a Cowboys fan, trying to figure out what to do with yourself this football weekend, a bit of a weird, quirky schedule because, you know, the first team, first couple of teams you would think of wanting to go check out or keep the closest eye on would be, of course, your NFC East rivals. But the Giants were also on their bye. The Eagles uh, played on Thursday night, so their game was out of the way. And we're going to talk about their 29-17 to win against the Texans to start things off here in a moment. But then, of course, that leaves only the Washington Commanders in the early window to pique your NFC East interest. And then beyond that, it was just a free day for checking out the games. If I can, very quickly, uh, this is this may have been before you were even part of blogging the boys, but there was a past edition of this show where I gave a shout out to a couple of friends uh, here in Austin that were part of the kayaking group that decided to organize a 5K event here. And I think one thing that's so great about our BTB network 
podcast network is that we all bring perspective of where we're recording these shows into the show. So if I can give another quick shout out to a friend in this group who's actually leaving Austin, uh, I told her I would, and I want to make good on that. So Ruth, when you get a chance to hear this, um, she is a Louisiana native that I had a chance to meet, you know, a couple months back here in Austin. We've always had a great time. She's, I think a lot of Cowboys fans can relate to maybe visiting Austin at some point along the way or even living here or just knowing about it and hearing about, you know, the great people that you can meet in this city. And Ruth is certainly an example of that. So Louisiana native who found herself in Texas for a while, but now is on her way to Indiana. So maybe when the Cowboys and Colts meet up as they will this year, but down the road when that game is in Indianapolis, uh, maybe we can cross paths again, but I definitely wanted to get that shout out in and it felt like appropriate timing given that I was out there uh, today taking advantage of the free time without the Cowboys in action. And as mentioned, without the Eagles to keep an eye on as well, their game already in the books, 29-17, Thursday night football, they go to Houston, where of course the Phillies were getting ready to also represent Philadelphia down there in the World Series. And the Eagles hold up their end of the deal for Philadelphia sports, staying undefeated. They're 8-0 in a game that was tied though, LP, 14 all at the half. So as far as the season-long narrative of the Eagles, you know, how good are they? Do they have that quality win yet? You know, they didn't. They certainly didn't blow the doors off the Texans like they have some of the other lesser teams that they've played this year. No, and in that game, they had every, I'm sure, inclination that they were going to win that game. You walk into a building that you own from the opening kickoff, that that was the uh, that was a home game for them. The environment in that game was a complete home game for them. They are very comfortable. Uh, now, the one thing I noticed about Houston is Houston is not the best tackling team, but Philadelphia also let them hang around. Um, and it's not their best performance for the Eagles, but when they talked about it during the broadcast with Herb Street, he pointed out just all the efficiency numbers that they have, and they're pretty effective overall playing the game within the game. So it's not a quality win, but – you know, you, you chalk them up and listen, I'm watching that game. I'm rooting against them so hard. And it feels like we lost that game, watching that team win and just do enough to be the team that just wants to be taken down anyway. And I think the turning point was that interception thrown by Davis Mills. They just couldn't manufacture enough and kind of questionable play calling as well by Pep Hamilton to not run the ball with their, their best weapon. Um, and I mean, you know, the shouts out to, to the Eagles team. They, they won that game. They, they were supposed to win, not convincingly necessarily, but they won the game, and I, I give them their credit. Well, the Texans did find some success on the ground against the Eagles, you know, as mentioned, having a bit of a free Sunday to just poke around other games. I didn't watch a ton of football this Sunday, you know, compared to what I would normally do for Cowboys game day. Looking forward to getting back to that against the Packers, of course, but I feel like my early observation is that we can kind of call it about the Cowboys being the only team that can't defend the run because this might just be recency bias. But, man, I was watching some wide-open running lanes. And, of course, you know, right now as we're recording this in the background, we have, you know, Derrick Henry playing for the Titans, keeping them in this game at the Chiefs uh, with a 14-9 score in the third quarter right now. But, you know, I saw the Jets being able to run against the Buffalo Bills and scoring that upset win when they were a multiple score underdog and they get the win at MetLife Stadium. So, you know, not only are the Cowboys the only team that when you put under the microscope, they're giving up some big runs, but, you know, we'll talk a little bit later. They also tried to address that during the bye as far as some roster moves that have been going on. And 
We'll see if guys like Jonathan Hankins can make a bigger impact like he did against the Bears. So to their credit, they're trying to address their weaknesses, but maybe it's time to call it just as far as talking about the Cowboys that are the only team struggling to give up big runs, but still getting it done in the red zone and things like that. As far as scoring defense, the Cowboys are where they want to be. The Texans ran for 139 yards with Damian Pierce on the ground. Against those Eagles, though, that was on 27 carries. It was the second most rushing yards the Eagles have allowed this season. They gave up 144 yards in a crazy high-scoring shootout game to Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions, and that was DeAndre Swift leading the way of 144 of those yards. So maybe the Eagles run defense, just like we talked about Dan Quinn's defense, is their Achilles heel this season, but they did come up with the timely turnovers that we used to seeing the Cowboys get as well. James Bradbury and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had interceptions against the Texans. Jerome Hargrave had three sacks, and Jalen Hurts, of course, quarterbacking such an efficient offense, and it really was one of his most efficient games of the season. 21-27, two touchdowns, a clean game for him, you know, going up against a team that was outmatched, of course, and the Eagles by the end of four quarters. You know, proved that, and they found another way to win, and they're eight and zero to stay atop the NFC East. And it's kind of the way you set it up in that regard, but it's almost like these two teams are kind of mirror images of one another. Uh, the only differential is that you could say would be maybe just the the coaching stats, or uh, as far as experience goes, that's the one main variance there. But you think about the quarterback. You have a quarterback that people think he's more of a runner than a thrower. That was Dak early in his career. You think about um, certain guys like the defense that, that's susceptible to allowing the run play. You have a cornerback that we know is a pretty good guy, but the opposite corner is either underrated or overrated or not quite appreciated for what he does. I think they're very similar to one another in more ways than we ever imagined and thought. And it just kind of sets it up to where you watch them play games and you watch them win games that you're frustrated on how they can actually get it done. But to the other person, like to someone in, who's an outsider watching the Cowboys play, and we know how this works. People don't like the Cowboys for their own reasons. Um, but we managed to win games, too. <laughs> like We win games, too, in a similar fashion. We just kind of seem to pull it out at the end or we find a way to get it done. So our two teams, Philly and Dallas, are very similar in that way that we find ways to, to win games. are very resourceful in a variety of different ways. And I think that sets us up well just to kind of keep an eye on what happens down the road coming out of the bye with both teams on just how similar they actually are. And, of course, the big difference in the upcoming Christmas Eve matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles. The Cowboys are, of course, hoping to bank on is that they'll be playing with Dak Prescott instead of Cooper Ross. The Eagles coming into this Sunday getting to also watch along with us having no game out of the way on Thursday. The Eagles came into this week having two wins against opponents with winning records. It could have gone up to three if the Commanders found a way to uh, beat the Vikings. They would have had their fifth win, but instead they fall to four and five. So as it stands, the Eagles have only beaten the Minnesota Vikings, who are now seven and one atop the NFC North and will play the Cowboys in two weeks. And of course, the Cowboys, who were six and three, but that game was earlier in the year with still Cooper Russ at quarterback. So yes, eight wins are on the record. You can't take too much away from them. You can compare offseason strategies and say, oh, you know, they surrounded Jalen Hurts with all this talent and it's working out. But also, I think we did this last week, but we should bring it back as well. The Cowboys' offseason approach to this point looks pretty flawless as well. I mean, they told us they were going to hope for Dak Prescott to elevate the talent around him. 
so that they can maximize the defense, and they're doing that. They're even making personnel changes on defense to address the weaknesses in the run, you know, against the run, like I mentioned. And they've seen Dak Prescott do exactly what they were hoping they wanted to see him do as far as throwing the ball to guys like Noah Brown and the Peyton Hendricks shots of the world. Yeah, every week's not going to be, you know, 49 points against the Bears. It is going to get tougher, and, you know, maybe that is why you have to consider bringing in a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. for this stretch run. But so far, so good as far as everyone saying that the Eagles clearly had the better offseason than the Cowboys, and that's why they were going to be so much better than them. Yes, they're still in the driver's seat in the NFC East, but, you know, I think we can talk about concerns that maybe they're peaking too early. Are they going to be able to play this type of football for 17 games, whereas the Cowboys have, don't have that concern like they did last year because the early part of the Cowboys season has all been about just surviving when you didn't, when you didn't have Dak Prescott. And then the, the Detroit game for Prescott was, you know, let's just get him acclimated again. And then we saw two weeks ago against the Bears, it was, okay, this might be full speed ahead, and now we can finally start to hit our peak whereas the Eagles, you know, have a long way to go to prove that they're really a top contender in a conference that certainly is wide open, and the Eagles are the last remaining undefeated in the whole NFL, but, you know, much more to prove for Philadelphia, especially when we look ahead to that next meeting when they'll play the Cowboys at full strength and Prescott under center. And, you know, uh, as the saying goes, right, when it comes to the front office, I think this is a good saying for them, that you, you can't win for trying. Because in many ways and in many respects, no matter what the front office does, they're not going to be given their, their fair shake for it. And again, they're not easy to like. They are not easy to root for. They're not easy to like. And their own hubris tends to get in the way of a lot of things that make football sense. But that said, the way things have shaped out for them, it's kind of gone in their favor. You know, they had the idea of addition by subtraction. And it's happened before, I think, even like in 2014, right, where people felt like the Cowboys were the closest they're going to be to making the playoffs or making a big title run. People forget that 2014 team did not have DeMarcus Ware. They did not have Jason Hatcher. They removed core veterans from that team, and they got better somehow. So the team's idea or their understanding of let's just go ahead, let's try to fortify our group by making them – less about the brand, about the individuals, and more about the team and see where that gets us. That was the idea. And I think you saw that. Like it's it's panned out so far of fortifying this team. And I'm not one for football cliches. I'm really not. I don't believe in certain sayings about football. People just believe like these mantras. But the one thing that people say about the Cowboys is, oh, well what happens when you punch them in the mouth? Then then what do they do? They've been punched in the mouth. They've been beaten down. They've been dragged and as you said, they've survived. So if this run of playing without Dak Prescott, of winning these games against, as we're seeing, you mentioned the, uh, the running game and how other teams play the running game. Justin Fields is a pretty great runner who took off on the Dolphins today. And for what you expect, they contained him juxtaposed to last week. Um, so it just seems like with this team, if anything, they're going to develop a razor-sharp edge of resilience based on facing the adversity right now, whereas we talk about the Eagles kind of going through a cupcake schedule of not being pushed, not being challenged, not being forced into an adverse situation. You guys clam up. So this team, how it's played out for them to where they have to fight, they have to claw for every inch, every yard, every game, but while having fun doing so, especially the defense, that's what you wanted to see, and that makes you feel confident about what this team has going forward if things do get difficult. And you're going to talk more about the NFC at large 
Um, and I'll harken back to this point when you get there, but I think it's a good look for them so far, just being tough. Yeah, we've fallen into this trap as Cowboys fans before, but man, if you know, if you just look at this, as far as the changing of the guard and when is it going to happen in the NFC, the Cowboys have been so desperate to, you know, put Dak Prescott in the upper echelon of NFC quarterbacks. And by that, I mean, you know, surrounding him with enough talent on both sides of the ball so that he can prove that, not necessarily just, you know, putting all the pressure back on Prescott to go be that guy without the help. But they've tried to crack into, the, you know, the old guard in the NFC, the Aaron Rodgers and now the Tom Brady's and Tampa Bay and, when Russell Wilson was in Seattle, you can even, you know, that was when Prescott was on his rookie contract. And so that was a prime chance to try to win the same way that Seattle won when Wilson was on his own rookie contract back a while ago. So you look at the NFC division leaders, though, and, you know, it's the Eagles that you're chasing in the East, 8 0. Seattle Seahawks, led by Geno Smith, probably the hardest team maybe in the league to figure out right now. I mean, every Seahawks game is just like, Pete Cowell's heaven right now. It's just, you know, it's a mess for three quarters. You really have no idea what's going on, but then it's a one score game and either the defense makes an opportunistic play or Geno Smith gets him in field goal range and something crazy happens. And, you know, today they proved that again in a one score game. They score late to put it away. They beat the Cardinals on Sunday, 31 to 21. So that was six and three again, led by Geno Smith. Kirk Cousins has the Vikings at seven and one. And then, you know, Tampa Bay, They've been written off. They've been written back in. They're playing in basically this year's version of last year's NFC East, a division where the Falcons and Panthers are giving them pressure, which says much more about the Bucks than it does those other two teams, but it's given them a chance to regroup. And you don't know how much you can say they regrouped against the Rams. They did have Brady only the game-winning drive with a touchdown in the closing seconds to Kate Otten, but it was the only touchdown of the game You know, against the Rams team that we saw the Cowboys kind of be that will with Cooper Rush. So if not now, then, you know, when is it going to be as far as, like I said, changing in the guard and the NFC, would you take the combination of the Dak Prescott we saw against the Bears and knowing that there's even room for improvement off of that, plus the combination of Dan Quinn's defense going up against, like I said, just look at these quarterbacks that are leading these top NFC teams, Geno Smith in Seattle, Kirk Cousins with the Vikings, who you'll play head-to-head in two weeks. And, of course, Tom Brady and the Bucks, who you saw way back in week one, you know, winning a game where you scored just one touchdown on Sunday. So, yeah, the window is right here for Dak Prescott, and it's also because of the defense they've built up. It's the defense that they've tried to add to, the Hankins trade. They got Damone Clark now on the field, earlier than expected as a draft pick, who got some reps against the Bears there. So things are setting up nicely for this Cowboys team. And I ask you, LP, you know, how much do you think it helps that, you do have a team as strong as the Eagles ahead of you. Because last year, there was many Sundays where we spent, you know, win or lose looking at the Cowboys like, yeah, well, they did X, Y, and Z, but they're still going to win the East. And, you know, it was just a foregone conclusion that the division was a runaway and we'll kind of regroup come the playoffs. But they, that's exactly what didn't happen. They couldn't regroup. They couldn't find out intensity against the 49ers team. They came in with intensity and, and motivation and the momentum of a late season run that the Cowboys didn't have to make and they won that game and continued to run through the NFC playoffs. So this year, much different story. It's right there in front of you as far as feeling, feeling like you're probably better than the Seahawks, Vikings and Buccaneers when you play your best football, but yet you still have that carrot to chase with the Eagles being atop this thing and making this a season long race. How much does that help you, you know, get prepared for the playoffs that we all expect this team to uh, still go towards? I mean, I think 
the funny thing is, I know a lot of teams say this uh, within themselves, or at least they say this out in the open to the media. And I think I probably bought into this. I think they don't really worry about, you know, chasing the carrot in front of them. I don't think they worry about pulling the wagon behind them because their eyes, I mean, they got blinders on. They're, they're just going heads down, moving forward. And I think that's what this team actually is. I think the way this team is kind of structured, I think they really believe in themselves and they worry about themselves. And I feel like they, they know what's in front of them without even having to look up from, from their, their journey or their path. They, they know that it's a collision course with Philadelphia, but if we handle our business, we'll get there. We'll get there. And they probably believe like many other fans believe that, Hey, the Eagles are going to slip up. They're going to slip up. They're going to slip up. And I don't think, you know, I don't think this team is bought into being overconfident like they have in years past. I, I think that they can't. And maybe it is, like you said, because of where they sit in the standings. But even if they were tied with the Eagles for first place, I think it still would approach the exact same way of we have to do what we have to do. And I think that's, like you said several times, the changing of the guard. I think that comes from the defense kind of being at the vanguard of this team, what they are is the defense. They're leading by the defense. The defense knows what it is. The defense goes out there and it's okay. You're going to pick this week. You're going to pick this week. You're going to sack. I'm getting a touchdown. Like they're having so much fun competitively against their opponent that they're leading the charge for this team. So they can kind of focus on themselves and look inward to what has to be done. But then you, you sprinkle that, that fun and that, you know, excitement from the defense and Dan Quinn, but then you sprinkle that with, the hard-nosed leadership of Dak Prescott to go along with. And I think that's the perfect blending of personalities, the perfect blending of personalities mixed with the head coach. So let's be honest, this head coach is a bit more, um, he's a bit more brazen in, in what he feels to say out in the media as well. So I think those things serve the Cowboys well to where they don't really have to focus on the outside, but focus on themselves. And I think that actually allows them to be who they are. And if this, if this is going to be the window for the Cowboys to, of course, capitalize in the NFC playoff picture and perhaps catch the Eagles in the East, but nonetheless still try to make a run, we can talk about what they, what they did or didn't do with the trade deadline as you know, the reason that either they fall short or they continue on in the playoffs once again this year. We know that you know for you, for you armchair GMs out there in Cowboys Nation, uh, you know, go ahead and pat yourself on the back a little bit. We always talk about the, the team needs for this roster and it doesn't always align with how the team actually operates and they see things differently than we do. But, you know, pretty good this year as far as the run defense and having to make a move at defensive tackle. They've done that. But that wide receiver's been, you know, since pretty much the start of this Hidden Yardage podcast with Mark Lane and I, we've been doing a weekly segment about what the situation is at receiver and how concerned we are. And back when the Amari Cooper trade happened, all that's well, so well documented, but we know that they were in on potentially making a trade last second for uh, Brandon Cooks off of the Texans, and now staying relevant through the bye week, their name gets linked to Odell Beckham Jr. Jerry Jones earlier last week said that Odell made the greatest catch I've seen other than the one Des Bryant made for the touchdown against Green Bay. Of course, that was the divisional playoff game at Lambeau Field where the Cowboys will be this week. Bottom line is Odell was a player I admire a lot. That's from Jerry on one of five for the fans. So there's admiration there. There's star power going to the team. They get everybody wild up with the star on their helmet. There's you know the, an obvious position need, and there's a chance for this team to make a run. Do the Cowboys need to seriously entertain 
bringing in Odell Beckham Jr., who, of course, was hurt in the Super Bowl last year against the, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Imagine how much different we'd be talking about the Rams if they didn't find a way to rally in that game and find some offense. Because once Beckham went out of that game, you know, Sean McVay is now touted as an offensive genius who has the ring to back it up. The Rams' all-in approach is touted as, you know, something that can actually work because it did for last year's Super Bowl. But, man, the way that one or two players can swing the entire direction of the, you know, NFL universe is insane because – I think we all remember Beckham went out of that game and the Rams offense just really disappeared for most of it. If it stayed that way the rest of the game and the Bengals found a way to win that Super Bowl, I mean, we'd be talking so much differently about the entire Rams offseason approach, how other teams shouldn't be trying to copy it, how the, you know, McVay's offense isn't going to get it done in the big spots, but, you know, Cooper Cup changed that with a clutch touchdown from Matthew Stafford, although they couldn't find that magic on Sunday at Tampa Bay in a rematch of what was last year's. NFC uh, divisional round. So Odell Beckham with the Rams, though, last year, 14 games, caught 44 passes for 537 yards, did score to five touchdowns. Found this interesting, though, went for 12.2 yards per catch. No doubt, you know, that big playability could help the Cowboys. It is a missing element right now. But in a smaller sample size, both Noah Brown and C.D. Lamb so far this season, averaging over 13 yards per catch. So they've made the big plays. It's just a matter of, you know, medically, if Odell Beckham is cleared and you think he can still take those, you know, 10-yard slant passes, 80 yards to the house. That's something this Cowboys offense is missing a bit and they could use. And apparently, as we know from Sunday, it's something that they're always considering. Well, I think here's the thing with Odell Beckham. Um, And for me, because when the name comes up, I think of a lot of different things. That catch is one of them, those those things. But um, but it's you think of the catch, you think of the player that he was and how explosive he was when he started his career. Uh, but think about a bye week like this, you get to watch a lot of football games, right, outside of your own team. And the one thing that I saw that kind of stood out to me, and, you know, I think everyone does is when you watch some football that's not your team play, you're like, oh, I remember that guy. Oh, he plays for that team? That's what I saw with Julio Jones today. Julio Jones is playing receiver for the Bucks, but he's not a starter. Uh, a player that's probably going to be a future Hall of Fame or a decorated player still playing in the NFL in a small capacity. He's, you know, a situational receiver. I think if you were to sign Odell Beckham, that's the role that he's going to be in, a situational receiver. And the reason for that is, one, he's not the same player that he used to be. No way. He's not the same guy. If he's healthy, he's still not the same guy. Even when he was, let's say, quote-unquote, healthier, with the Browns, he wasn't the same guy from 2014 or 2015 that was taking balls to the house on a slant and just outrunning defenses. That's not the same guy. He doesn't have the same stop-start quickness. But he would be a, a pretty good piece to fit in with his team in certain spots. Um, but as far as his usage, usage goes, I don't think it would be that same level because based on what the Cowboys are playing with right now, think about their personnel. Think about how they've incorporated these two tight ends, now three tight ends, there's not much of a niche role where he's going to be seen as having to play a whole lot if they're game scripts. And we know that they want to run the ball too out of these sets or pass the ball out of these three tight end sets or two tight end sets. Um, it's not going to be necessarily lending itself to have three receivers out there at one time. So I feel like once we kind of see if he were to sign, and I know this is a huge if for me, if he were to sign – he wouldn't be used that much. So for the Cowboys fans, if he is signed, kind of hold your horses because it's not what you guys think it's going to be necessarily um, off the first, you know, first inclination. But um, 
I want also to let, make this be known and let this be heard clearly that, you know, if they're serious about signing him, then go right ahead and do it. But I don't feel like we need to be prefaced and said, oh, well, you know, he's on the Cowboys radar. That to me smells like a whole bunch of we're doing our due diligence. Well, then do the diligence and sign the guy. I don't need to hear about it before you guys do it. I don't think the rumors help me out because then it turns into, well, we tried, but we couldn't make it work because of the numbers. I heard that last week with Brandon Cooks. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But again, if he is signed, I don't expect anything out of this. That's going to be huge to make this team a Super Bowl or put them over the top. He's not an over-the-top type of player to me. Yeah, and Jerry, even being, you know, a fan of Odell publicly on the radio, this this season more than almost ever has been very self-aware of the perception of his team and the image. And, of course, you know, they've done well to turn that around these past couple of weeks, but all I have to prove, you know, in their eyes and, of course, in the organization's eyes is it's another playoff or bust and succeed in a playoff type of season. But even with that, you know, Jerry has known that, you know, the talk around this offense has been that they're not going to be good enough, things like that with the receivers. And then going into the bye week, this was a way for them to stay relevant. Like you said, doing that due diligence and his perception of, oh, well, if this is going to be the year that, you know, you have the defense and you have Prescott, why aren't you making another move to actually be all in? And, you know, this could be their way of saying that by making that call that they're always trying. And, you know, Brandon Cooks, they can say that the price tag wasn't there, the draft compensation, they weren't willing to give up. And then they can point back to, you know, these last couple of draft classes and a lot of these picks were really helping them to at least justify that moving on from draft capital to sell the farm for this year's team might not actually be the right idea. So the Cowboys go into Green Bay this week and they play a Packers team, LP, that has lost five in a row now. They lost to the Detroit Lions today, 15-9, to a low-scoring game. Green Bay's first five-game losing streak since 2008. That was Mike McCarthy's third season as head coach with Green Bay, and it was the first time he finished the season with a losing record as they finished at 6-10 and that season. So this was actually, on Sunday, the Packers' second straight loss to the Lions. You know, they usually tear through that division, especially the Detroit Lions, but not to be in the last two games. Dan Campbell has his guys finally playing better defense. They hold the Packers to nine points, which is a bit inexplicable, though, for an Aaron Rodgers-led team, and he said as much post-game. The frustrations continue continuing to build there, so I feel like this game on Sunday will be very, a very strong sign of affirmation for Cowboys fans who want to confirm their priors about this year's Cowboys team. What I mean by that is... You know, if you were down on this team and you still think it's all going to come falling apart and you're not buying anything they did against the Bears or Lions because those teams haven't done much, although you mentioned well that the Bears, you know, had a pretty impressive performance against the Dolphins of Justin Fields looking a lot better in that game, a quarterback that the Cowboys were able to pressure and force some fumbles against and have the takeaways with in that game two weeks ago. The, the confirmation that as the Cowboys go into this game, oh, you know, they only beat a Packers team that's really struggling this year. It's not going to mean as much. Or this is setting up perfectly for, of course, a Green Bay team that has all, hasn't even lost as many games consecutively since 2008 that they're due, that Rodgers is going to do what he's done to the Cowboys so many times. It's going to be their big bounce back that they are so desperately due for and that they need. And the NFC North that's slipping away at the hands of the Vikings. And, 
it'll just confirm that the Cowboys, you know, aren't the contender that, again, those same fans thought that they were. So against the Lions, though, Rodgers threw a season-high 43 passes in this game, which feels ridiculous, as well as the three interceptions that he threw. And, I mean, this drive chart, possession chart for the Packers throughout the game is just, I know we're a little bit past Halloween at this point, but pretty horrifying stuff. Interception, interception to start the game, turnover on downs. Then they went into the halftime, you know, kneel down situation there, getting the ball back with just seconds left. Interception, interception, turnover on downs, halftime. They come out of the locker room, punt, interception, touchdown, field goal, turnover on downs on the last possession to end the game. So you're getting a Packers team if you're the Cowboys. They used to be excited, I think, to play kind of the same game plan that's worked to get you to 6-3 and three at this point. Dan Quinn's defense looking at chops to go up against Aaron Rodgers, who only put up nine points this week against the Lions. And, of course, Dak Prescott getting a throw against the secondary that's given up plenty of big plays as well. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, and you said it before as far as the the confirmation bias of, you know, matching priors of this year's team. Well, those priors are for the, the Packers too. So, again, Cowboys fans have been through the ringer and they've been hurt a lot by the Packers and hurt by Aaron Rodgers. So, for them, this game is a special game. I, I don't know if you do this, but I do this every year. When the schedule comes out, we have an idea of who's going to be playing who. I circle that game. So when I know who, the, who we're playing, I predict when those games are going to fall on the calendar. And when I saw it was at Green Bay, I got excited because I'm not one of these guys that I, I have a thing where I'm, I'm cautious of Aaron Rodgers or afraid of Aaron Rodgers. I, I do not like Aaron Rodgers, but not to the point where I fear Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans have this boogeyman complex of Aaron Rodgers. And I've never had that. I've never had that. I've always wanted to beat him. Right now, he's a sad, sad guy in a bad situation. And that team is a wounded duck. So the Cowboys have it all served up for him. So if you're a person that has to see these priors of the, the Packers of old, by all means, you're going to have a great time because you should beat up on this team. Their offensive line is not as good as they, they used to be. David Bakhtiari is not playing as well. Um, a guy who I thought was a pretty good player, uh, Elton Jenkins, is not playing that great either. They're struggling. They're struggling a lot across the board, and they're they're banged up. They're banged up. They're bruised up. There's limited weapons. They had limited weapons before they started to get injured. Now they're hurt with nothing else behind it. And you see a quarterback there who's exacerbating the issue by pressing more than he needs to. And it it seems like 
they have everything going against them. So I'm excited. And again, I don't make any excuses for them. I don't feel bad for them whatsoever. By all means, beat them down if you must. But uh, if we talk about a quality win, I mean, I think a little of the fun, some of the fun is sucked out of it somewhat based on them not being what they used to be. But at the same time, I mean, hey, it's 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 a game you you have to win. You got to win. You got to beat them. Uh, and I think you match up well with them. They they still have a pretty uh, pretty good defense, though. They still have a pretty good defense. But ours is better. We're more explosive. We have more weapons to support our quarterback. So yeah, I'm I'm laughing going to this game. What did you think the Cowboys' offense will look like coming out of the bye, particularly? All eyes right now on the backfield situation. Ezekiel Elliott expected back in the lineup, but Tony Pollard with the three touchdowns as a starter against the Bears. So what would that balance look like as they try to, you know, maybe keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, kind of muddy up this game a little bit, let it get ugly, let it be kind of your, you know, typical what we've seen this season. Cowboys win. I don't think it'll be, you know, the prettiest type of game there. Lambo on the road, but I think it'll be efficient. I think your defense will do enough more than enough, if you will, to slow down Rodgers and then it'll just be up to the offense to do enough to put up points and keep that pressure on. So what do you think the offense is going to look like, particularly with Elliott and Pollard trying to show reps once again out of the backfield? I, I do think the, what the owner says, what the owner is going to get, you are going to see an emphasis on establishing Zeke um, to so that we all know he's still the guy based on the owner's words and what he intends to have happen. Now, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. If I'm playing an opponent that I believe is challenged offensively, an opponent that I believe cannot keep up with me, and a quarterback who's so frustrated with his own situation, he'll make it worse, a la Matt Stafford right now. I would try to score. I would, I would, I'd try, I would try to be as explosive as possible, take away that element from them, and this whole thing of keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field, no, keep him on the field because he's doing a lot more harm than good. So keep him on the field uh, and make him make these mistakes he's making so prevalently now. Uh, I forget who pointed it out, but they said that he's actually 13th. Yeah, he, he's in 13th for most passing yards. When have you ever seen Aaron Rodgers that low in passing yards? So it's not just he's had putting up empty calories. He's playing bad all the way around. Mistakes, non-production, everything. Everything that you associate with a bad quarterback He's exhibiting those traits right now. So for me, I'm sure you'll see a lot more Pollard and Zeke because that's what they want to do. But, hey, if you want to utilize these explosive plays that you have now off play action with your quarterback who's healthy, who's seeing the field very well right now, I would take full advantage of that and go after this team. And, hey, if you want to put them down, put them down early because that's what it's going to take. I have a weird feeling that even though the talk around Green Bay this week would be that, you know, the sky is falling and this team is done and they're not nearly as good as they were at any of these prior points under Rodgers, I have a feeling that if the Cowboys do go in, take care of business and win this game, that it'll still get talked up enough as a really defining win for getting the Cowboys more more love international media, more attention and, you know, being taken more seriously as, like I said, as f- being as far as even that changing of the guard team where, you know, the most clear example would be if Dak Prescott does beat Aaron Rodgers. That's a very, you know, hand-in-hand example of trying to pass that torch and being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC right now, even if it is the defense that does most of the legwork in this type of game, which could be the case as Green Bay only scored nine points on the road against the Lions. So, you know, I do think, like, like I said, the Packers are 
going through turmoil are going to be discussed all week as far as, oh, what do they need to do to bounce back? Can they get it right against the Cowboys? Can they beat McCarthy? All these things. But yet somehow by the end of Sunday, if the Cowboys are on the right side of the scoreboard, it's going to be, oh, the Packers team they beat is actually pretty good. Or, you know, they looked better maybe depending on how the Packers actually perform in this game. And it'll go a long way for Dallas as they then look towards the Vikings and Thanksgiving against the Giants. So, some really defining games coming up for the Cowboys as we are fresh off of the bye and looking forward to jumping right back in the game weeks and everything that comes with it at bloggingtheboys.com. So with that, you can follow LP on Twitter at SDQ Flight Crew. Give us a little preview of what to expect this week. Uh, so this week, of course, we have our injury report. Uh, if you guys are on the lookout, I do have one thing holding back this team from being a super contender. There's one big thing. There's one elephant in the room. Hint, hint, their dirty laundry that has to be aired out. Um, not as deep as you guys may, may think with that teaser, but it's got to be corrected moving forward. And it is correctable, but be on the lookout for that. So this one big thing holding this team back. Um, but one thing I did want to add to your point, though, as far as the narrative of beating Green Bay, uh, it is a big game now because even on a bye week, they are promoting and marketing this game very, very aggressively here in my market on television. So... I would say be on the lookout for that. And, of course, the four-letter network, um, the big one that talks about uh, the bad, bad man. That is probably why you are right as far as why they're going to hype this game up, win or lose for the Cowboys. But, yes, be on the lookout for that article on Blogging the Boys this week, that one big thing holding this team back from being a super team. And one thing I really enjoy writing every week is the history between the Cowboys and whoever that week's opponent may be. So, of course, we didn't have one of those this week, but now I will turn the page and you'll see that later on in the week for how the Cowboys and Packers have met in recent history, which will bring back, of course, some bad memories as I'm doing research for that one. Depending on how far back we want to go, we can include some of those playoff moments and the Dez Cats that even Jerry brought up as, as recently as last week. All one of five three to fan, but also some you know big wins for the Cowboys in there as well. This would be a week for them to get a defining win and really just still the message is trying to keep pace with the Philadelphia Eagles who are eight and zero and trying to do your best to give yourself a shot to still win this NFC East, which has quickly and surprisingly become the best division in football. Where elsewhere around the NFC, you have you know the worst division is probably the one that Tom Brady plays in, which is insanity. But they get the four and five, and then you have, you know, the best of the NFC North still yet to come. You've already beaten, if you're the Cowboys, the Lions and Bears at home. Now you face a road challenge, a little bit tougher test with the Packers, knowing that the hardest game is still around the corner from that. When you then play the Vikings, though the Cowboys should have confidence going to that game, considering it'll be Prescott most likely at quarterback, barring you know another injury, of course, and. Last year, it was Cooper Russ getting the win against the Vikings. So, you know, another game where if they had the confidence that they could win with a backup quarterback against Kirk Cousins in prime time, can they do it with not only their star quarterback on the other side of the field, but a much improved Cowboys defense going against Cousins, who got the win against his old team, the Commanders, today. So that's a bit of the NFC picture. It'll be clearer once the Cowboys are back in action on Sunday, and you'll hear from us again on Monday with another edition of the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I am on Twitter at SonMartinNFL. Feel free, as always, as my co-host Mark Lane would say, to join the conversation. We appreciate everybody who follows everybody, or everything that we do 
here at bloggingtheboys.com and our podcast network as we back to as we get back to our normal programming this week. We'll have so much more on previewing this Green Bay game and talking up everything. Cowboys Packers, a classic rivalry type of matchup that we're excited to bring you on Sunday afternoon. Um, again, follow LP at SDQ Flight Crew. Shout out to my friend Ruth here in Austin. Best best of luck to her with her travels. Going from, I believe her path is going to be Austin to sometime this week, as early as today, tomorrow, uh, her home state of Louisiana, and then Indiana. So a good amount of driving in her future. Maybe she can plug in our podcast network and stay entertained that way. I also owe a quick shout out to my friend Rima, who has spent some time living in uh, my former home state of New Jersey, and we need to make sure next time she goes home, know that she tries a Spanish Italian restaurant because I recommended it to her last time. And she didn't actually get get down there to try it. So, Rima, next time you're in New Jersey, make sure you try Spanos. Mark, when you hear this, we're still going to get you that pork leg and cheese sandwich. Cowboys Nation, we hope you enjoyed your weekend without the Cowboys being on. But we know you're looking forward to, just like us, having another game on Sunday. So, until then, this is the Hidden Yardage Podcast for LP Cruz. I'm Sean Martin, and there it is. Yeah.